You're listening to Alcoholics Alive, where recovered members of Alcoholics Anonymous share their experience on how they live AA as a way of life. None of our participants get paid or speak for AA. Here are your hosts, Shank and Wayne. Hey, welcome to Alcoholics Alive. You, uh, my name's Jerry, and I am an alcoholic, and uh, been a member of Alcoholics Anonymous since July second of nineteen eighty nine. And uh, it's good to be here. Good to be with my guest Shank. We're excited about this uh, season five, especially this first episode. I'm Susie. I'm an alcoholic. I'm a recovered alcoholic. I've been told to say that. I've been a member of AA since October 23rd, 2012. So we are now in season five. And uh, I do want to say that we have nicknames where where I got sober. Um, my nickname has not always been Shank, but that's the one that has stuck the longest. So we like to affectionately give our guests nicknames, but uh, we're not hiding out. So right. you have Jerry and Susie. If you want to find us, I'm sure that you could. Yeah. If you have questions. Or you can you... call us Shank and Wayne. That's right. Uh, yeah. So if you've been confused for the first four seasons, if someone says Jerry, Susie, Shank, Wayne, many other things, uh, we're probably just talking about one another. We are in season five. So season five, we're doing the traditions, which um, we've talked about doing several times in between. Our first season, we did... about the steps our second season we went through pamphlets um our third season we did kind of like funny phrases or idioms from the big book and just tied those in to some of the steps and our season four we did the ninth step promises so if you have any suggestions on what you would like to hear please email us freedom at alcoholicsalive.com if you have any feedback if you like it if you hate it please do we have also uh in one of our seasons i believe it was season two We read uh, in our wrap-up episode emails that we had received, and some of them were uh, complimentary <laughs> and some were not. So That's right. Um, you know, I think that we strive to be open-minded. We're going to be really opinionated, as most AA members are, but I know that I strive to be open-minded about – I've had my mind changed several times in the last 11 years about things. So please email us if you have anything to say. We'd love feedback. And we've actually had quite a bit of requests to cover traditions. We have. Yeah. So we'll, I feel like uh, I was we'll... trying to avoid it, but here we are. We were both trying to avoid it. <laughs> um, but hey, like you said, here we are. We're going to do the best we can with it. And we've got a um, we've got a great guest with us today. He was actually the very first guest we had, which You know what I just popped in my mind was I think exactly a year ago. I think that's right. Um, mm -hmm. And um, his name's John, but he's got a nickname, 24-Hour John. He'll probably tell you a little bit about that. I, I think he's been trying for years to get away from it, but we won't let him. So, Or Save the Whales, John. Oh, that's right. Save the Whales, John. Yeah. That's right. That came out of that first episode. It sure did. So, John, tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> My name is John. I'm an alcoholic. Uh, I uh, 
I don't remember the save the whales part actually. Uh, but I, well, I'll take your word for it. I'll have to we'll go back. We'll clip it out of the first episode. I'll have and... to go back and listen because I don't remember that. But I, it wouldn't surprise me if it was some jab at me from from Shank or or something like that. Well, it's probably because you were using that rotary dial telephone back then. I, and, uh... I was. I, I will say real real quick. I, I if you did listen to that episode, my apologies. My my. I, uh, I'm technologically somewhat illiterate and it took me a year, but I figured it out. And so I'm glad I came back today with a better audio set up to, to participate in the podcast. And I was just looking, it actually was January, 2023 when I was, uh, on that first episode. So it was a year ago. Nice. Um, so I'm glad you, to be back. you doubting what I was saying or you, I, I was, I was actually trying to get the exact day to see <laughs> if it was, let's see, it was, it was Monday. It was January 9th. So. How about that? Days. Yep. So, uh, but I'm, I'm grateful to be here. I, I appreciate you asking me to participate in this. I, I listen to the show and, uh, have, have been a fan since the beginning and it's motivated me to do something, you know, start my own podcast, which has been, uh, helpful in my sobriety and been a big part of what I've been doing up here. So that's uh, the meeting after the meeting. It's called the meeting after the meeting. Yep. I host that with another friend of my a friend of mine in the program, Chris, who you've had on your show uh, in the past. Which we consider that title "Meeting Shrapnel," by the way. Yes, it's, of course, so, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've uh, we we love to reference "Meeting Shrapnel" on our podcast actually because mm-hmm. it comes up a lot. You'd be surprised yeah. how how often it comes up. Yep. So, uh, but like I said, I'm grateful to be here. I, I'm uh, I've been sober since May 16th of 2005. I have a sponsor. Uh, I have a home group. I um, I drank. I, I, I'll say this. I don't know. I was thinking about it a little bit because you have in here to, to just give a brief description of your last drink and how you arrived to AA. And my last drink, I never really talk about it. I don't know if it was just because it was really boring or lame, but I, I had six, six Budweiser 16-ounce cans and three of them were warm because because the six packs in the was all we had in the fridge and uh, I had the flu at the time which was really it's another one of those things when you just look back on it you're like why were you drinking warm Budweiser with the flu and if I'm honest <laughs> with myself it's because I the, you know the flu felt bad but the only thing that felt worse than the flu at the end of my drinking was the way that I felt in my own skin on a daily basis and so I was drinking warm Budweiser I was drinking warm mad dog I was you know I was picking up, you know, cereal crumbs off the floor and putting them in pipes. It didn't matter what it was. You know, I was trying to find some sort of relief and I had been introduced to AA. You mentioned, uh, my, you know, I have a nickname 24 hour John. And I, so that nickname comes from going in and out of the program of AA. And I don't know about down where you are, but up here we give out little chips at the meeting to, uh, to denote sobriety and and uh one of the popular chips is the 24 hour chip and i picked up so many of those chips they they told me i could start a pretty big poker game with them and so i I affectionately was given the name 24 it didn't start out that way it actually started out as drunk john was my nickname they said hey it's drunk john and then i think 
one of the elder members was like, that's a little unfair, kind of mean, you know, why don't we change that? So 24 is stuck. And like you, Shank, you said your nickname is kind of, uh, you've had a number of nicknames, but like you, probably for me, it's like the one that I was like, I don't like that one. They're like, oh, that's the one we're going to give you. <laughs> you, know? you can't so, ever act like you don't like it because exactly, that will be no. the one that sticks. No. And I hated it early on. God, I, I, Somewhere around five years, you know, the ego of just, I'm not new anymore. I'm this great AA member came along. And I was like, when you people would, when new guys particularly would say, you're 24 hour John, I bet you keep that out of your mouth if you knew it was good for you, you know? And, uh, <laughs> and I, and I, and that moment, I think I could hear myself and I was like, I better come to accept this nickname or else it's going to be painful. And so uh, I've, I've embraced it since then and am grateful for, for my roots in AA. But to, to say that, to, to, I say that to just say that I came in and out of A for a long time and went to meetings, didn't go to meetings, got a sponsor, fired that sponsor, got a different sponsor. And it wasn't until I, you know, did work the 12 steps, started taking the suggestions and, and giving this thing back that I was able to find any type of happiness in, in long-term sobriety. So it's been a, a fun ride. I, I'm extremely grateful that I still you know, I'm willing and motivated to do this. A lot of my best relationships and the best things that have come in my life have been from people I've met now, Alcoholics Anonymous and, and experiences I've had helping others and getting help from others in the program. So I'm grateful to be here. I, I will say the traditions, I, I get a lot from, from your experience, Jerry, and, and in particular on these traditions. So asking me to do something on the first tradition, I think this should be a lot of fun and I'm, I'm eager to hear your experience. So you still have all those 24 hour chips. I have a lot of them. I do. I, I keep right. them in like a little Make, bin, you know, that's a constant reminder. <laughs> yeah, constant. Is that what that is? And then you put them in your mouth and once they all dissolve, <laughs> then you can take a drink. <laughs> When okay, but when when you gave me a ten year chip, Jerry, or medallion, that was a, that was a medallion, Shank. <laughs> you did a... tell me that when it melts, I could drink again. And that was a white and gold medallion. <laughs> hold on, hold on. That a was second. a special medallion. It's a nicen. What's the difference between a chip and a medallion? Listen, we'll tell you after this podcast, <laughs> John. Right. Okay. Yeah. Shank, what's the topic? Our topic today is tradition one. So tradition one is uh, the long form is each member of Alcoholics Anonymous is but a small part of a great whole. AA must continue to live or most of us will surely die. Hence, our common welfare comes first, but individual welfare follows close afterward. So that's the long form. The short form, which is what is, I think, traditionally um read at meetings is our common welfare should come first personal recovery depends upon aa unity so um you know we have some questions from the grapevine checklist if you're not familiar with the grapevine checklist tradition checklist google it look it up um i have prepared some questions for john and wayne um and the first one is relating to this tradition. Do I make competitive AA remarks, such as comparing one group with another or contrasting AA in one place with AA in another? So what do you think, John? Well, I was, uh, you know, when I was thinking about the, this tradition, I, I thought of a couple of different things. So the first thing I was thinking is something that I've heard from Jerry, which is, 
if you're if you really want to kind of get down to the first well, maybe Jerry's shaking his head, but I'm sure he'll hopefully agree with this. If you want to really understand the tradition, the long form, it tends to be more beneficial because it really gets to the point of the tradition, I think. And so I'm, I, uh, they were written before the short form of the tradition. That's right. So, Good. Um, there you go. That's the one fact that I'm going to bring to, to this podcast. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I was thinking when I was, newly sober I, I always for some reason put all my my thinking cap in the way of like what does a new person think about this when we're in an alcoholics anonymous meeting because a lot of the time the longer i've stayed sober i'll come up with these grand ideas about aa and how things should be or what i how i think they should be like and and a lot of time when you sit with a new person, if you've ever, I don't know, I, I every now and then have tried to impart some wisdom on them through a tradition or through my experience with something or my thoughts on the group. And they just seem like they're not that interested in that. They don't really care. And I don't know if that's because they're dying of alcoholism and they're just holding on by, you know, a thread and they really just need some sort of help or if they're just too completely self-centered to even think about Alcoholics Anonymous or they just haven't been around long enough to form an opinion about it. Um, and and so I know that for me, when I first came into AA, this was practiced by members of Alcoholics Anonymous in a way that helped me to not uh, feel different or feel like my beliefs or my opinions were, uh, you know, not for Alcoholics Anonymous, if that makes sense. So I think that. Do I make competitive remarks such as comparing one group with another, or contrasting a one place? Sure, I do. Hell yeah. When, but I do all the time. And and I was thinking about something I hear a lot in meetings. I don't know if you've ever, if you all have ever heard this down your way, but up here we hear a lot of people, they say, they say the name of their home group and they say, my home group's the best home group in the world. And if you don't feel that way, you should get a new home group. And I'm just yeah. like, whoa, that's a, yeah. a big one. You know, that's a powerful statement to make in a room full of alcoholics anonymous. So, yeah, I would consider that meeting shrapnel. Yeah. I mean that that you a lot of people say that though. That's kind of a a, a worldwide comment. That's like it's uh it's not good. Have you ever made that comment before? I have not. And I would challenge you, Shank, to go back and try to find that. I will. Because I, Shank, I have, what, do you, what do you think? Hey, she has yet to provide any evidence on anything <laughs> she says that I've ever said. Oh. So anyway. Um, It'll be its own episode. You know what? There's ways to get to get better at that here with AI. We could We could have AI go through all the audio of talks and pull stuff if you really wanted to get down to it. You know, I think uh, I like that you bring up when you were new, when I was new, uh, the home group that I had early on, um, I was sober for a few months. I went to prison for a year and then I went back to that home group. And while I was incarcerated, you know, the women from that group wrote to me and I would just tell them how much the AA meeting in the prison sucked and how I would never call it my home group and how I hated it. And, um, you know, they would bring up not necessarily, oh, Susie, you need to read tradition one, but you know how, okay, well, that is where you are. That's the meeting that you have available to you. So maybe you should try to bring something to the meeting and stop just complaining so much. You don't ever speak up in that meeting. You're telling us you refuse to read in that meeting. So 
<laughs> why don't you try to participate? Um, but once I was out of prison, I think, you know, when I was sponsoring women, I would be like, well, your home group has to be my home group because it's a great group. There are old timers here. We're a three legacy group. Things that I didn't even know what they meant. <laughs> I just heard mm -hmm. other people say it. And um, so I'm like, yeah, we're a three legacy group and unity recovery. I can't remember the other one, but yeah, that's what my group is. And, um, it, you know, I appreciate that there were women and men around me who allow me to, to have my own opinion about groups in the area. But if I was getting too far off the beam, it would be like, Hey, you should probably be at your home group on Thursday nights and not at that other group that you think is so great. Like change your group. Then, um, everyone doesn't have to be a member of your home group that you sponsor. In fact, you may be negatively impacting them, telling them that the group that they go to sucks. They may be getting something there. Um, yep. And even though I didn't understand it at the time, I think that that really helped shape, you know, what I thought about AA, because even though those meetings did suck <laughs> and maybe they were just meetings and not groups, you know, I was allowed to make my own opinion and my own decision about where I wanted to lay down roots and who I wanted to be surrounded by and what I wanted my sobriety to look like. And other people should have that right too. Now, there were several years in there where I still was like, why are you going to that meeting? It's terrible. <laughs> and sometimes I will still say that to people today. Like, hey, maybe you should try another group. Like my language about how I speak about it has changed. I would say that I somewhat understand this tradition better. It doesn't mean that every meeting or every group is good, but it doesn't mean that I have to go around telling everyone the ones that I don't think are good. Could you expand upon the meeting and difference between a meeting and a group a little bit, Shank? Because I think that's a question I get a lot up here from people. They're just not, you know, there's, there's home groups and then there's these meetings and people, I don't know if you've covered this before, but what is that? What would you say the difference between a meeting and a group is for somebody out there who may not know? A meeting just meets. <laughs> a group is involved in service, whether it's at the area level, the district level. Um, they are a part of AA in a greater sense, which we're going to get to another question having to do with that. <laughs> um, so bef before that, if you don't, I, I was thinking I had a couple of different I got sober in a group that was very similar to yours. If, if you were to have a sponsor there, then that was going to be your home. You know, that was going to pretty much be your home group. And I don't think it was a rule. I don't think there's many rules technically in AA, but it was one of those things where you were, it was frowned upon to not have a sponsor in that group. It was frowned upon a lot of the time our, our group had other meetings and it was also like, you go to those other meetings, you know, you don't go to meetings outside of that. Uh, we, we stick together. We hang out together. Our group was very, I would say somewhat isolated from a lot of the other parts of Alcoholics Anonymous. Our service was was within our group. Everything we did was within that group. And at the time, I, I saw a lot of benefit to that. It was, was a lot of fun. We had a lot of service opportunities. To, we had a lot of uh, unity and, and fellowshipping that went on. But I think it was also limiting in the sense that if you uh, – we're looking for anything different or hearing a, a, a different message. You weren't going to get it there. You know? Mm -hmm. So our next question is, am I informed about AA as a whole? 
do I support in every way I can AA as a whole or just the parts I understand and approve of? It's another really good question. And I think that kind of goes into what I was saying is, and, and I was not informed on AA as a whole when I got sober and, uh, do I support in every way I can AA as a whole? I don't think I really understood, you know, and I think that's a good question to ask because at the time I thought I was, I was supporting what I knew, but I only knew my group, you know? What about um, you, Jerry? Well, I guess the question would be, how do you become informed on A as a whole? Mm. Right. I mean, there's, it's, it's, um, it's a good question. I guess if I was personally going to answer the question, I would say that I am <laughs> well informed on A as a whole. Um, by various, for various reasons. One is by talking to, the people that are involved in all areas of service. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I stay informed by talking to some trustees and some delegates and reading stuff that comes out from, from general service office. And the, there's a lot of really good information in um, the annual report that comes out. Uh, but even locally, you know, being involved in, in district and intergroup and just, you know, being connected to various AA members. I mean, I, I think I stay, I, I stay informed. Um, the question about supporting things though, that's so I can tell you that for, for, <laughs> for years, I've always supported just whatever came out of our group conscience or whatever came out of the, the area or, general service. I think that, um, some of that nowadays is, um, it's questionable whether there is a true group conscience in Alcoholics Anonymous. And I know that that's a different tradition. Um, I, I do try to support what comes out. Some of it's difficult nowadays, just to, to, to be real honest with you. I'll tell you a few examples though of, of, I mean, I think about my, the first group that I came into and they, they helped me. I mean, they were extremely helpful, inviting. They didn't ask me a bunch of questions about who I was or what I was. And, you know, I mean, none of that stuff mattered. Um, I think, I think that was unity in action. I remember going to my first business meeting and seeing two guys get into a fight in the business meeting, an argument. And then afterwards they were, they went out to eat, right? I think part of that's missing in AA nowadays. It seems like you, you can't disagree with anybody without, you know, and, and still be their friend. Um, but I saw that. And I think tradition one, f f for me, it it's really the first step to, of losing self-obsession because it tells me that if I'm going to practice traditions that I've got to lay aside what's what I think's best for me. I got to sometimes lay aside personal ambition for, you know, what's best for the, for the group, what's best for the most people. I think he gets a little dramatic when he says most of us will surely die, but, 
You know, most alcoholics don't die. They just they just go and live in miserable lives. Till the better end. Yeah. You know, a lot of people OD nowadays on, you know, opioids or fentanyl, but that that's not Alcoholics Anonymous. Most alcoholics go on to the bitter end and live miserable lives. They don't actually, they die spiritual deaths, I guess. Um, so I don't know if I answered that question or not. It's, I, I would say that, that I think in general, Alcoholics Anonymous is, is unified, but there's, there's lots of reasons nowadays it's not. And, it almost seems like 24 made this comment a while back to me. And it almost seems like we've gone backwards in some aspects. Whereas now we've got many specialized groups. Um, you know, we got groups for doctors. We got groups for men. We got groups for women. We got groups for um, gays and I can't even remember all the acronyms. I'm not talking bad about that. I just LBGTQ, and then they've added some stuff on the back of that, which is fine. But we've got group uh, groups now that are for persons of color. And I'm actually all for people like people meeting and talking to one another. It just doesn't seem like that that's, in, that's having an actual AA group that's that specialized. I don't know how that promotes unity. It seems to me like it's divisive and it segregates people and it, it feeds our problem of thinking that we're different. And the tradition tells us that we all recover together, that the solution is common. It doesn't matter what your preference or color or religion or background is that if you have alcoholism, we recover the same. And it seems to me that those, all of this kind of, a, uh, you know, all these groups, specialized groups being created, it seems to me like it divides AA. I don't, I don't think it uni unifies it. I just find for myself that, you know, I love that it says, hence our common welfare comes first, but individual we welfare follows close afterward. So what I have always loved about Alcoholics Anonymous is, you know, I grew up feeling very, I don't know, separate than, different, a lot of what you hear people talk about, poor, white, trash, you know, and I thought that my life was going to go a certain way because of that. And when I arrived at AA, no one cared about that. Yep. And I wasn't treated differently. I was just an alcoholic who was trying to recover from alcoholism. And what AA taught me is it didn't matter that my sponsor maybe had different political views than I did. We, it, it was a non-issue. Or if I had questions about something and I would bring up, you know, well, what about these outside issues? My sponsor would just gently guide me back to whatever we were working on in the current moment. It was yep. never like, well, I like you better as a sponsee because we agree on X, Y, and Z, and I would like for you to drive me around or I will drive you around. It was never like this hierarchy of, well, I like you better because of all of these specialized interests that we share. And that taught me how to be open-minded and loving and caring and genuine with people that do not share my background, that do not have the same beliefs that I do. And it's allowed me to be more toward the middle. 
I don't have to be like out here um, preaching about any of my specialized interests, whether it be what I believe my higher power is or what my political views are or any of that. And it's allowed me to be a better person in general. It's allowed me to run a better business, to relate to clients in a different way where even when they kind of start to bait me a little bit or want to talk about something very contentious, I can just say, well, hey, you know what? I don't really agree with that. Happy to talk about it. But like, I think you're great still. Like you're a great client. Yep. I don't have to like, it has just changed. AA has changed my life. And some people who listen to this podcast may not agree with that necessarily. I still have a lot of opinions, but, um, and I'm very forward, but I love to just have conversations, especially about those things. Like you're discussing in the business meeting and leave and those people still be my friends. Yeah. I'm able to do that. Yeah. Our next question. Real, uh, real quick. I, I had, I was thinking, I had a couple of scenarios over the past week actually that made me think about this and, and people have come to me, two separate people in the past week and they're, they're opposite sides of kind of what you were just talking about. I had a friend who came to me and said they attempted to join a pre-meeting fellowship. This was just within the past week and the, and they were turned away because they did not have a specific thing in their life that these people were going to be talking about. And this was a newer person who was looking to join a fellowship hang before a meeting and they were turned away because they did not have this thing and it destroyed them. They felt ter they didn't understand this was before their home group and they did not understand why they could not go and attend this thing with people they, they looked up to and respected in the program. And I, I, when I heard that, it just, it made me sick, you know, and and the second thing, it kind of goes on the other side of that. I was at a meeting last week and, and there was a gentleman who shared and he had been sober for a period of time and had, had, had just, you know, taken a drink again and was coming back after a while. And he shared after the meeting, a group of us were around him. There was probably five or six guys in this one and this guy. And he started going on a pretty political rant about, you know, that had to do with why he went, he drank again and all this stuff. And he, and he had a very strong belief one way or the other towards something that's been going on in politics recently. And not one of the men who were standing in that circle fed into what he was saying. Not one of them nice. gave their opinion. Not one of them said anything about it, actually. It, it was almost like what he said just went up into the atmosphere. And the next question was, hey, man, we got this group we're, we're attending tomorrow night. What are you doing? And that was it. And I was so impressed because I know these guys. They all have very strong, like you, Shank, you know, they have very strong opinions about these things. And not one of them said anything about it. And so I was, at the same time, I had that first experience and that second experience where I was like, you know what, there is still some balance in Alcoholics Anonymous. And I, I you know, I, I think a good question, one question is, why is it different now? What is it now that makes these, these pe the people's opinions and their their thoughts and that unity so much more harder than it was maybe when we got sober, you know, whether it was a decade, two, three decades ago. Yeah. Well, it's always been there. I mean, there's always been, you know, controversy and uh, alternative views and different ways, but I think now it's just. It, it's, it's more magnified. There's, there's easier access to information. People can be more vocal quicker and easier. Um, I, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. It certainly has gotten 
I've personally seen it gotten, it's gotten a lot worse since I would say 2016. Um, and then it got even worse when the so-called pandemic hit. Um, if we just want to get right down to it. Um, I, I don't know. It's, 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 it's interesting. I mean, I had people <laughs> getting off track a little bit, but I had people that I sponsored for years that when they found out, you know, that, that I thought our group should meet face to face that fired me. That was just an extreme view. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, it's just, I mean, that's like the exact opposite of what the traditions teach us and the steps teach us. I mean, it's, it's just, it's really weird. Um, so How have those next? opinions come so strong into the meetings, though? I mean, when I got sober, I could not have told you my sponsor's views on on a lot of outside issues. I would not have been able to tell you. You know, yeah. nowadays everybody knows. They actually, I think, a big part of picking a sponsor nowadays for these younger generations seems what is this person's beliefs. Yeah. Uh, well, that brings us to yeah. our next question. Do I share with AA all of me, the bad and the good, accepting as well as giving the help of fellowship? And so something that I always remember um, that my sponsor still tells me today is, you know, well, Susie, you have the right to be wrong in AA. And, you know, that's just her little sly way of telling me that I, uh, I'm not as smart as I think I am. She does tell me frequently that I know more than I understand. And um, I used to think that was such a kind remark of her to say, which just goes to show that I have grown as well, because now I know that she's just saying you're wrong in a nicer way. Um, but I've been allowed to be wrong in AA, and I've been allowed to make mistakes in AA. Um, and if I am, am jeopardizing the common welfare of my group, of AA as a whole, I'm very grateful to be surrounded by people who will say, you know what, maybe you shouldn't be talking about that. Maybe this is not the time. Maybe this is not the place. You know, we want people to be able to come here and get sober and not worry about whatever issue it is you're talking about. Yeah. 24, you share the good and the bad? Uh, well, this was this is a great question, by the way. Was this a was this a shank question? Oh, these are shank questions. <laughs> these are all shank questions. This is a this is a you know I I like it makes me think like you said about what am I afraid? I don't know. When I got sober, honesty and openness about everything was very accepted. It was something that you know we could talk about. We would talk about anything, and that was one of the things that kind of really opened me up to maybe there's a chance here. Because I, I, when I got sober, I had to share really a lot of bad stuff that I had done, a lot of bad thoughts that I that I had or have, and I was accepted. I was not kicked out of the program. I was for sure when I shared my fist step with my sponsor, I was going to be out. I, I was for certain that I, my first fist step was going to get me kicked out of Alcoholics Anonymous, and it, it was the exact opposite. It was, it was, I love you. Welcome to the program. And, you know, and, and here's some of the things that I did. And I think that today, I don't think it's, uh, 
I don't know. I think there can be a line where people might be afraid to, to be honest about what's going on with some of the bad, you know, and I have to ask myself, am I sharing that stuff? And I think I am. I try, I try to do the best I can with that. Am I, the, 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 the hard part for me on that back end is, am I accepting as well of, as giving? And I think the accepting part, like Jerry said earlier, I can struggle with today. You know, I can struggle with always accepting. Um, I, I've, I am somebody who can struggle to sit through a business meeting at my home group, you know, just based on not being able to accept what other people are sharing or what other people's ideas are. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, it can be hard to ask for help, especially, um, well, especially for the three of us, knowing all three of us, I mean, we're pretty independent, <laughs> which is a good thing. Um, but it's, it's, it, you know, I've, I guess I have learned, especially over the last several years, it is okay to let people help you. And it is, it is actually okay to ask for, uh, for assistance sometimes, even though I, I really don't like to, I like, you know, charting my own course. Um, I, I, one of the things that, that I try not to do is it's, it's easy in a to just talk about all these good things that happened to us and to, you know, to like mystify it into like, you know, God is just on my side and everything is just working out and God did this and God did that. And I, I understand that, that ideology or that, the, those comments, um, but sometimes it can appear like nothing but good things happen when you get sober and that if you do the right thing, nothing but good things are going to come to you. And I mean, that's not true for anybody, for any of us. So, I mean, I try to share, you know, mistakes that I've made and, and uh, you know, bad decisions that I've made as well as the good things. And I think that's one of the things the tradition has done for me is when I got here, Shank kind of talked about it. I was, I mean, I was kind of either better than or less than really didn't know. And, you know, and when I got here, the traditions kind of taught me and people in a to be just in the middle, right? I'm not any better than anybody. I'm not any less than anybody, even though I still have those feelings sometimes on both sides that I'm just, I am one person. I'm just one part of a great whole, but I am part of the whole. So, right. My, my experience, my opinions are, should be important but they shouldn't dominate. And, you know, it does teach me to do, to really kind of step out of myself sometimes and ask myself, well, what's best for other people? And this is where I think we lose that self-obsession is that we, we, in some cases, we do start actually doing things that we necessarily don't, wouldn't do or agree with for, because it might be better for somebody else. Um, so I think it's important to share the good and the bad. And I, I asked you about this before, Jerry, uh, with th this tradition and, and you've spoken a lot about it over the years. I've heard you talk about how this expands out beyond Alcoholics Anonymous, right. And, and kind of learning in AA, how I can sometimes just shut up and just be a part of whatever is going on. Right. Cause I, I mm -hmm. you know, I came into AA as, like you said, I, I've, I, 
very quickly ego built back up and I thought I knew everything. I thought I knew how my family should act. My father should act. My mom, my brother. Uh, I thought I knew how my boss's boss should run a billion dollar corporation that I was, you know, making lattes at. And so it was like I, through AA and through the group conscience and through a sponsor was able to kind of see that maybe I don't know everything. Maybe I should shut my mouth and just show up and, far from perfect at it, but I can attribute a lot of success in life and in relationships to that simple principle that you were just, that you all were just talking about. Yeah. And I will say too, like the, the outside AA application of this in my life has been that AA allows me to make mistakes in AA and I don't get kicked out. My sobriety, I don't get time taken off of my sobriety. Um, I get to learn from it. And so I get to make mistakes in AA. This is just how I've personally always looked at it so that I don't make that same mistake in my family um, with clients, whatever it may be. You know, there are a lot of differing political opinions in my family. There are a lot of things going on that are just out there and wild and redneck. And I mean, just everything you can imagine. And I, A, don't have to come into AA and say, everyone feels so sorry for me because uh, my family is so crazy. I don't have to do that. I talk to people about it. There are people that know exactly what's going on, but I don't have to be like, feel sorry for me. And then I get to act out poorly because of it. And then I can also show up in my family and not get involved in all of that, not take the bait on arguing about what mom's doing or sister or dad or brother or who's fighting today. Uh, now they may not like everything I say, but I can just be, you know, a small part of the whole of my family and try to help where I can. So AA has, has taught me how to do it. I still don't do it perfectly. Okay. Like I am not ever on this podcast or otherwise trying to say that I've reached some pinnacle of sobriety that I am just so amazing, but I make more mistakes in AA than I do outside of it, which to me personally is a win, I think. Yeah. 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 I've had some recent experience with, with this, with, um, with the last two years, both my parents have passed unexpectedly. And I, um, I've been more active and more involved, I guess, in their lives and kind of taking care of them than the rest of my siblings. I hope uh, if they listen to this, they'll, they'll know the truth now. Um, and so, you know, it's funny how, you know, you don't see some of them for 30 years and then all of a sudden they all show up and they want to have input and they want to do, you know, they want to take care of things or, or, and, and I'm, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking like, well, wait a minute now, where were you at 20 years ago when such and such and such happened? Or, and so in my mind, I'm like, and I'm, you know, kind of was the, the administrator of both wills. So I can basically do what I want to do. And in my mind, I'm like, you know, you want to say, screw them. I'm just going to roll over everybody and do what I want to do. And I literally one morning it like hit me. Cause I was getting resentful at some of the comments and some of the things that they want to do. And I'm like, well, you know what? First tradition tells me I, sometimes you got to lay aside your own ambition and what you think is right for what's best for everybody. And the reality is, is if it is their parents too, not just mine. And <laughs> so I started 
trying to get people together and trying to get some, you know, different viewpoints and getting a consensus with people. And that, that literally, when I made that shift, it was, I'd literally thought about tradition one and tradition two when I, when I did that. So, I mean, it, it is so much easier to live, not trying to control people and govern people and literally, you know, just step aside and, Hey, what's best for the most people here? Let's, do I really want to be unified and in, in how I interact with people or do I just want to be divisive and a prick? You know, and you know, I like both sometimes, mm-hmm. but it's way better to, to, to not be the governor. Well, there you go. Yep. Shank, should we move on to meeting shrapnel? Let's move on to meeting shrapnel. I am excited. I know. I know many of our listeners are uh, really excited about meeting shrapnel coming back. It has been requested, uh, probably since we stopped doing it to bring it back. Yes. Um, so we're back with meeting shrapnel, and uh, John is very excited. He can't wait. So. I'm a walking meeting shrapnel around here. You are absolutely. I might even. I'm, I'm looking at these. I might even have coined one of them. Come on now. You, you, you probably did, or Hoover, <laughs> or Hoover. <laughs> so our first meeting shrapnel is the problem is me, the solution is we. What do you think, twenty four? <laughs> ties right in with the tradition. It, it really. Is. I mean, this is. They could have just. They could just shorten the first tradition. I mean, why don't we have a short, short form of the tradition and just call it the problem is me. The solution is we. That's a great uh, idea. I mean, you know, I don't know. I can't. Every time I hear most of these, I just can't get over how to us it's comical. But if you said this to a new person, they would be like, yeah, like mm-hmm. they're just like in like and I'm like, that's. That's usually my first sign that something's a little off. If I'm like, listen to this one, and I say the problem is me, the solution is me, and they're like, yeah, like, that's, that's good stuff, you know. It's like red flag, red flag. Um, I don't know. I, I I probably wouldn't say this one. I think I'm a little bit smarter than that, but who knows? <laughs> it is so true though. You read some of these and like. I could, I mean, I could see myself or maybe even remember like being brand new and hearing some of this stuff and like, my God, that is gold. Yeah. <laughs> like just, oh, I mean, like, just blew yes. my mind, blowing my mind, you know? Yeah. You just hear, you have a spiritual awakening just listening, yeah. you know, when you first hear some of these, oh, this it's... one. Especially if it rhymes. Oh, it's just like oh, yeah. talking, taking it. I was a rap guy, you know what I mean? I'm listening Whoa. to rap. Oh, know? wow. Like, this is kind of... Wow. <laughs> I swear, I don't know about. I think this one came straight from NA. I'm not sure. <laughs> Good. Where did we get this one from, Shank? Do you remember? I do not remember, but um, it was pretty, you, pretty high up on the list. So, yeah. you've heard it before. I have heard it before. Yes. Yeah. The problem is me. Solution is we. That's kind of like a. It's a we program. Yes, we, yes, it is. We've covered that one. We have that. That's got to go. It's the problem is actually not always me. That's that's what I was getting ready to say. 
That's exactly right. So it's not really, it's kind of a misnomer. Mm -hmm. I, it is, especially when I was new. It, it was a lot of the time. The problem, yeah. well, my actions, but... Um, Mm. It's not one that I would use. So, um, you want to keep it or scrap 20, it? 24, keep or scrap? I think we're going to have to scrap this one. I was hoping we we're going to keep one today, but I'm thinking we're going to have to scrap it. Well, we might. There's still time. I'm going to scrap it. Shank? It's out of here. I'm scrapping right. it. All right. Our second meeting shrapnel is the high cost of low living. <laughs> I like this uh, one. Yeah. I like these are the kind of these are the ones I like. I, I don't know why. I just so many alcoholics. I think we come into AA and, and like I said, our ego, we just have these massive egos. And this just seems like one of those egotistical things we would say, the high cost of low living. You know, it's just like, it, it really is a, a perfect ego feeding statement for an alcoholic. <laughs> it is. I think this one came from a talk that all three from a guy all three of us knew he's like yeah i got here and i was tired the high cost of low living <laughs> oh. it's um it's dumb but it's it's kind of true yeah it is <laughs> it's, it's it kind of like it's kind of like put the hearse in reverse mm-hmm <laughs> This one I definitely uh, relate to. When I when I hear someone say it, I'm like, yes. I know exactly what you're saying to me right now. The high cost of low living. Mm -hmm. It makes sense. That's the thing about it, which I love. So it makes sense from the alcoholic perspective, the high cost of low living. You know, I mean, it, there was a, there's a very high cost. I just think that, and, and, you know, maybe this isn't why you scrap it, but I just think that more than anything, when I think about alcoholics, I just think we love to embellish that cost. You know, people love to talk about how high that cost was for them. Mm -hmm. oh, you know, was, yeah. Believe me, it was real high for me. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I don't know about yeah. you. And it just seems like such an ego feeding proposition of, of, let me tell you how high my cost was, you mm -hmm. know? Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm just a little worse than you are. Yeah, it's just the high cost. Like, why why does it have to be a high cost? What are we talking? Why are we? I know? think probably what I see, and it, maybe it's just from my experience, people um, don't really talk about how low they were living. Right. It's more of like I wasn't quite as bad, but I am still an alcoholic. Mm. You know, like I couldn't go to the summer house, but. I am an alcoholic. <laughs> yeah, like uh, I was able to complete ten degrees, but I am still an alcoholic. You know. I successfully raised three children. Yeah, I was yeah, drinking yeah. some wine during the day, and yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I get that. I think the other way. I think I, I have friends who are like, man, I was living the life. I was club. I was at the clubs. You know, people knew my name all over the place. That you sounds know? Like, I'm like, man, get out of here. Sounds you like know? your podcast co-host. Is that who you're talking about? <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm not. I, I, I'm not going to say names. I mean, but there's oh, a lot okay. of people. There's a lot of people like that. But that's who, who you're I talking hear. about. Got it. 
<laughs> John, you know we're we're rough on you and Chris. Uh, oh, I know, I know you yeah. are. We we love it, man. We love it. We 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 are we we love it. That's it's one of the things I think that I've that I have the most fun with NA here is just having fun with people, you know. So yeah. we love it. <laughs> so so the high cost of low living is that something that you would use, Shank? Uh, I don't think so. Are you tired Maybe. Of the high I don't cost think so. Low living, Suzanne. <laughs> I don't think so. But I wouldn't use it because then, I don't know. I feel like a lot of the women I sponsor, they would be like, "Yeah, but I wasn't as bad as you." So, right. I don't think it would work out. Yeah. Twenty-four. Keep it or scrap it. I'm gonna try to find a place to use this and use it. <laughs> I think here at some point. I'm gonna. We gotta scrap it because it really does just too ego feeding for me but i'm gonna find a way to use this in a in a talk at some point here maybe not yeah. a talk but a, a conversation well, with somebody. well i can tell you i have used it uh. it was your talk <laughs> that we were in no a long time ago i'm pretty mm-hmm. sure i have actually said this yeah um but i think you're right it is kind of ego feeding. it's kind of like that if i can get sober anybody can type yeah type yeah. thing so i'm i'm scrapping it shank I'm scrapping it. It's out of here. All right. What's next? Okay. And next meeting shrapnel is the door swings both ways. (laughs) And there was a note for whenever, uh, whichever one of us heard it, like maybe they were speaking of like a revolving door was the note mm-hmm. the door swings both ways i don't i don't think i actually understand what that means <laughs> i was gonna ask but we talk, we're not like it's not like don't let the the door hit you on the way out kind of thing this is more just no. like you can go in and out it, of a the door opens out the door opens mm-hmm. in you can come in but you can go back out if you don't that's right okay that's making sense yeah and it, it used to be used um where hey if you relapse and go out the doors open for you to come back um Would I? I mean, door swings, but I I don't think the door necessarily. You you know, it might lock when you leave. You know, I hate to hate to play on on the on the shrapnel, but you might leave and it might not be open again. That's right. I mean, how many people have we seen who? I know people I've sponsored who have been like, "Don't worry, I'll be back." I've never, I haven't seen them. You know, or people we do know who have made it back, but you know, you look in their eyes and they're not the same person they were last time, and who knows if they'll ever be. Yeah, I think it's true that AA is open, mm-hmm. right? If you go out and relapse and you want to come back, AA is open. But the idea that the door swings both ways, I mean, I, I don't know. It's Why not just stay? Right? Well, that is also something that needs to be on the list. Now people That's say just on. stay. Just stay. Um, you Instead heard it here first, back. Jerry using meeting shrapnel during the meeting shrapnel <laughs> segment. You heard it here first. Now y'all know what I'm talking about. Oh, man. Um, Just busted. 
This kind of takes me back, though, to in the tradition where it says AA must continue to live or most of us will surely die. I mean, I don't know. The door swings both ways. Can both of those exist? Or are you going to go out there and die? Well. I think it's dangerous. It's, it's dangerous and it kind of... Uh, it almost like cheapens the message. I mean, that's not maybe not the right word, but yeah. I will say when I got here, I was a part of a group where I was told that I could have permanent recovery. Yes. And so any amount of fear that I had about drinking again, I mean, I was told like I didn't, it wasn't like you never have to drink again. It's like, hey, if you do this program and you do what is asked of you, you can have permanent recovery. Yeah. And I think we need to hear more of that than mm -hmm. this type of thing. Yeah. Well, this this kind of, this type of thing, honestly, kind of seems like it falls in line with with today, a little bit more of what we've talked about. So, and just with the program and where it is, you know, hey, yeah. no, we don't want to say too much about anything. Let's just keep everything vague. The door swings both ways. Anything's possible, well, you know. Yeah. Well, you just do made a step, me think. Don't do a step. You know. Whatever. Right. Yeah. What's that? What's that saying that you hear at the end of meetings sometimes? The doors of AA are always open. Those who leave are free to re-enter. Those who stay, stay sober. <laughs> you ever heard that? It sounds like you wrote it. You know it. <laughs> I was going to say, is that something? Where, where'd you get that from? Wow. <laughs> You know you've heard that in a meeting. Shrapnel King, <laughs> Wayne. <laughs> Where I got um, most of shrapnel is from Jerry's previous the, talks. The Prince of Shrapnel. It's, you've never heard that? I've uh, heard something similar. I've heard something similar. I don't know if it's exactly that, but it's it's. I've definitely. They say it at the end of. Um, it's tied into that like this anonymity statement that some groups use. Here, here. The doors, the doors of AA are always open. <laughs> Those who well, leave they are free to re-enter. Yeah. You just <laughs> may not make it back. That's right. 24, what do you think about the doors swinging both ways? Keep or scrap? I mean, I got to tell you, out of all of them, this is, if I could scrap one of them, this is the one I would scrap because this one's dangerous. There, you know, look. You've already the scrapped first... the other two. Wait a minute. I know. Can't... But, but if I had to scrap one only, this would be the one I would scrap because I think this is the most dangerous to the alcoholic if when they hear it. So, okay. scrap it. I'm going to scrap it. Shane? You know, the thing I uh -oh. don't like is like fear-based sobriety. Right. Oh, I don't, I don't live that way. Um, so saying... I don't know, like even in here where it's like, you'll surely die. Most of us will surely die. I don't know if that's a spiritual death or whatever. Um, so I don't like fear-based sobriety. So saying, I don't think I would say to someone like, you may die if you don't, if you leave, you know, I don't want to try to like threaten someone to stay in AA either. Mm -hmm. Um, but just thinking that you can go in and out, in and out, in and out and never have that consequence. You know, probably not good either. I'm going to scrap it. It's out of here. It's out of here. We've got a bonus one for you, John. 
Stop. Bonus lightning round. Hit him with it, Shane. All right. Our bonus meeting shrapnel is the meeting after the meeting. (laughs) Come on, 24. What do you think about that one? Lay it on us. So, so. For those of you who don't know, I, I have a, a podcast and it's called The Meeting After the Meeting. And I'm going to assume that's why you brought this up. And what I'll say is this. I was trying to think Oh, of, we, didn't, we didn't know that. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> well, thank you for, for plugging my, uh, my podcast. But no, I, uh, I was thinking how we came up with that idea. And I think for us, the thought of The Meeting After the <laughs> Meeting was when, when we got sober, we would hang out a lot. After meetings of Alcoholics Anonymous, we were young and and a lot of us used to go out and drink at at night. And so we got together and we would call it the meeting after the meeting, you know, stick around and hang out for the meeting after the meeting. Now, I understand completely from a shrapnel standpoint. And for those of you who are listening, the AA meeting is the AA meeting. There is no meeting, meeting after the meeting that's that's happening. But in our in our fun minds, we were we were doing a little, you know. We were, I guess, strengthening the, the, the hang afterwards. All right. I'm going to keep it. You keeping it? Keep it? I'm going to keep scrap, it. Scrap I mean, it. I got to keep it. <laughs> I think we got to scrap it. It's Shane. out of here. Yeah. You're it's done. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, man. You got to scrap it. I love it. Love it. Hey, John, we appreciate you coming on and being with us. It's, a, uh, it's for an honor. All, Thank you. Yep. Yep. And you can uh, hear his podcast called The Meeting After the Meeting. Check that out. And um, hey, the traditions are pretty comprehensive. We know we, uh, we've we only scratched the surface with them, but hopefully we've uh, said some things that will get you to thinking and uh, know that um, it's important to have a, a group to recover. It's hard to recover by ourselves. And uh, if we can uh, give up personal ambition and desire and be part of a group, it can help to keeping us free. Freedom. Thanks for listening. If you have a comment, suggestion, or just need help, you can email Shank and Wayne at freedom at alcoholicsalive.com. Remember, we're recovered members of Alcoholics Anonymous. But we do not speak for Alcoholics Anonymous, nor do we get paid. Join us next week for another great episode.